Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 51st episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. You are still so good at that. <laughs> still so good. It makes me happy every single time. I know. You get very excited. I do. I, and this is the second time we're recording this intro, so my excitement is a little bit muted. I know. But that's okay. We've had some... We're so close getting You're everything. You're so close. We have all this... We're, <sighs> we're drowning in amazing sound equipment, but... It's not easy to set everything up. I know. Technology, which I, is I, ironic since it's a tech company. I know. Company. Our, vi- our videographer here at Overdrive, who also is our sound person. Yes. I was joking with him. I was like, I'm never going to judge listening to a podcast Agreed. before and being like, why doesn't it sound perfect? It's really hard, you guys. It is. But it is. we're getting there. We are. The actual, But the actual audio of this podcast itself sounds Pretty wonderful. Yeah. So We should be good. Um, do you want to tell people what we're talking about today before you and I start getting on a little rant? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll rant. We'll see if you rant. Um, so next week is Banned Books Week. Yes, it is. And we are a librarian, uh, filled company. Mm -hmm. We are a library company. We have lots of library champions. We feel very strongly about Banned Books Week. We feel very strongly about it. Yes, we do. So, sort of like we did last week with um, Reading Ebook Day, we talked to some of our co-workers mm-hmm. who work here, some of who are librarians or former librarians, some who just like reading, yep. and asked um, what they'll be reading for Banned Books Week. Yes, and something that you and I talked about a little bit yesterday, because there's so many librarians here, and I'm just always genuinely interested in hearing what all of you have to say about really any situation that involves libraries, whether it's, you know, the right to getting information or anything. I found myself almost forgetting to respond when people like Cindy and Liz will talk a little bit later in the podcast. I almost was, I forgot that we were hosting a podcast and I would just stare at them and listen to them talk because it's just so fascinating and captivating the way that they talk about it. Cindy, I am very grateful that I get to work with Cindy on a Mm -hmm. regular basis. She is like, this special little gemstone that... <laughs> I know. She's such a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> she's worked in libraries. I don't want to say it because I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's worked in libraries she's worked her in whole library, life. Yeah, for her whole life. Yes. Very long time. Um, multiple library systems here in Northeast Ohio. And mm-hmm. she's just... Anytime someone has a question about a library situation, if if Cindy doesn't know the answer, she definitely knows the right place to find the answer. Correct. Which is like the... The code of the library, yes, I suppose. Pretty like, much. It's not knowing all the information, it's knowing where yeah. to find the information. And she did that to a T. Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, we feel very strongly about banned books. We do. Uh, we talk about this a little bit. You have a unique background when it comes to banned books and challenge books and things. Before I let you jump into that, we should tell everyone this is going to be a longer intro, right. just because Jill and I are going to go in depth about our feelings about this kind of stuff. And, Agreed. Um, and then you'll eventually hear our coworkers, but <laughs> I just wanted to give people a little bit of a heads up on that. Sure. But you have a really unique background when it comes to the situation. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to coming to Overdrive, um, so I am a librarian, and one of my jobs before coming here, I worked at a prison. Mm-hmm. It was an all-male prison. And um, because of the unique environment at the prison there were certain books that were not allowed Mm -hmm. in the prison like I was not allowed to give it to them um and one of the reasons I became a librarian was freedom of information Mm -hmm. and making sure people get what they want and so that was very challenging yeah (laughs) that was really challenging for me to be like yeah no I can't really let you have that Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um 
And like, there's a lot of, I think, misconceptions about books allowed within the prison system. Um, in particular, the title Mein Kampf, which yes. a lot of, you know, I can't speak for all prison systems, but ours, it was allowed in. Mm-hmm. Um, so the issue, though, was that along with being a librarian because of freedom of information, I feel very strongly in patron privacy. Right. So if an inmate came to me and asked for Mein Kampf, I could give it to them. Uh, we didn't have a copy, but I could request it. Um but I would have to inform somebody, like yeah. a security team, that an inmate had asked for Mein Kampf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of goes against, like, <laughs> right. everything I believe in. But it's just because of that environment, it's really, really tricky and very uh, right. delicate and, and a challenge. And that's one of those few situations, and I think Liz touches on it, where she says, we're fortunate in America no book is truly banned. Correct. They're just challenged. But, and this is something you and I... I want to say referenced in our lost intro that will never be heard. Okay. Um, the people who you were serving and working with were individuals in society who did things that they were being punished for where they had some of their rights taken away. Right. So I think that's one of the very, very, very few, if not only instances where perhaps it makes sense why they're not being allowed that information. But even then I, it's, it is it still, still is a challenge touchy. and I think it actually also goes to the idea that we call it banned books week, but mm-hmm. it's, they're more challenged Challenge. books and even, um, cause it doesn't really, people challenge books in public libraries all the time. Right. Um, public libraries very rarely actually take them out of the circulation. Mm-hmm. Schools, it probably happens more. Yeah. But even then, like if you're deciding not to buy a book, you know, like I wasn't going to, when I worked in the prison, I didn't buy books that were, um, super violent or had a lot of sexual content that's more it's not necessarily like censorship it's more just a selection policy right fits within the environment so it's yeah and i think yeah. that's another thing i think liz mentions that as i might be liz. she did yeah we she, talked about that she yeah. says you know she works with schools so it's not really keeping content from kids but it's saying this collection of titles might be better for your 10th or 11th graders. Right. Maybe don't put it front and center for your middle school students. Correct. That sort of thing. Um, I'm of the belief that you shouldn't... All content should be made available for people to pick and choose what they want to read. I get very, very, very <laughs> angry when I'm seeing going through all the reasons that books have been challenged and seeing these different... Um, I'll just say, I'm not going to say any places in particular, but like seeing like these small town news articles where it's like such and such questioned, uh, of mice and men, which is one of the books right. we talk about and one of the books I'll be reading next week because it had, uh, racial undertones and strong language and just like, okay, well, if you get offended by strong language, that's fine. But the lessons you can learn from reading of mice and men far outweigh the fact that someone might say damn in a book <laughs> and, I get very angry when people would rather have a book be removed and make it not available for anyone, or what I think is if someone borrows a title, maybe they're in high school and it's a book that's a little bit challenging for them, that's the part, that's the part where their parental guidance, you just need to be a good parent or right. a good uh, you know, teacher and say, okay, you're going to read this book that may be very um, 
new or challenging to you, like 13 Reasons Why is a relatively new version, reason of this where, you know, someone commits suicide. And instead of trying to act like to a teenager, suicide doesn't happen, I think it's more important to say this is a very realistic thing that happens in the world. Let's talk about what this book means and what it represents. Um, you mentioned Mein Kampf. I have a uh, Jewish background. My dad's side of the family is Jewish. I, of course, completely am against everything Hitler stands for. Right. I've read Mein Kampf because I want to understand what would make a person do the things he did. And just, I think, having that knowledge available, you can read something and not agree with it. Um, you'll hear in today, everyone on our staff pretty much is aligned on this yeah. certain situation, but you can be against something and still read and explore that information and what those people are trying to convey. And again, you don't have to agree with everything, but maybe understanding. Right. So. Agreed. Um, what are you reading for Band Books Week this so week? So I have two. Mm -hmm. The first one is Lolita. Yes. Which is one of my absolute favorite books of all time. Mm -hmm. um, it also includes my favorite line in all of English literature. Which you have pulled up. Which I have pulled up. So this is actually good that we're recording this because I totally forgot this yesterday. Uh -huh. um, but it is, most of the dandelions had changed from suns to moons. That is so simple and beautiful. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Favorite line in all of English literature ever. Um, but it's just such a beautifully written book despite, <laughs> in mm -hmm. spite of the the plot. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenging plot. It is it's... a very challenging book plot. It is a very challenging book. Um, mm -hmm. And I, when I first read it the first couple of times, I didn't really get um, what was, you know, Nabokov was trying to tell, um, you know, Humbert Humbert is an unreliable narrator. Yes. And if you don't know that... <laughs> You have a very different interpretation of the story right. and of the character of Lolita, which is what I had the first couple of times I read it. And then somewhere along the line, it it sort of clicked in my brain like, oh, I can't really trust anything he's saying, mm -hmm. you know, about his relationship with her. And suddenly you you sort of see the abuse that is actually taking place. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very oft-challenged book. It is a very oft-challenged book. And it's a book, there's go like on a whole rant about Lolita, but there was actually a book that came out uh, last year um, that was all about the cover art of Lolita mm -hmm. and how the cover art sometimes, we shouldn't judge a book by its cover, right? but the Lolita in particular, people misinterpreting the storyline, mm -hmm. put a cover on it that makes it seem a lot more sexy than it's supposed to be. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's a very so, good point. <laughs> so that's just a very interesting... That was a book that came out last year, um, mm -hmm. all about the cover art of Lolita over the years and in different languages and editions. Mm -hmm. And I'd never really thought about that before, but I was like, that's true. It, it sort mm -hmm. of steers people in a direction they're probably not supposed to go. Yeah. So anyway, so that's the first book. Yes. And what's your other one? Again, I could go on for Lolita. Mm -hmm. um, my second one is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. So good. I love it so much. Oh, continue. <laughs> oh my God. So... <laughs> 
I grew up like in the 90s with these books mm-hmm. and my mom didn't really want me reading them but I was like totally obsessed with like checking them out at the school library like right. all the time and and someone says I don't remember who it is in the podcast but someone says like tell me that I'm not supposed to read something and of course I'm of course going to read, read them which is perfect yeah. for these books so I think like I asked for them for my birthday because I would just like check them constantly out from the library and I finally asked for them on my mom got them for me but those illustrations like the old school ones mm-hmm. you can't trust the new ones because they changed no them. they're not they're no but the old school ones no so i have um <laughs> one of the stories that always freaks me out the most was about the spider bite one uh-huh and i currently have a spider living in my driver's side view uh, so Upsetting. Yeah, and so, like, I'm constantly convinced that one of these days I'm going to be, like, driving and, like, a million baby spiders are going to come, like, pouring out. I hear so much. Oh, it's so creepy. On my side view mirror. I know. It's super creepy. This is Uh, my concern, but scary stories to tell in the dark. I actually, um, recently, and I was trying to find the official name of it because I talked about it yesterday, and I I think I blew it again. Um, But that's okay. For Banned Books Week, the American Library Association, during their summer conference, had a lot of librarians and um, and partners reading some of their favorite fan books, and they asked me to come do one because Overdrive is a big partner, obviously, huge right. ALA champions, and you and I have a podcast, so it doesn't take much. It, doesn't, <laughs> it should be obvious by this point. I love talking anyway, so it doesn't take much for someone yeah. to be like, "Hey, there's a camera over here." They don't even need to say you should talk in front of it. I'm just going to. Uh, I actually read one of the scary stories of Tell in the Dark. Um, so there will be, there's a video of that somewhere that I haven't seen yet, but I can't, it's the one where there's, um, a, a ghost in the, in a fireplace and, um, the, like the, a person starts kind of falling out of the fireplace, like one oh, limb at a time. Oh, I vaguely remember Yeah, that. I can't remember the name of it. Um, it's like the fireplace ghost or girl in the fireplace. It's yeah. something like that. Um, but yeah, I... Yeah. it's oh, those are so good They're so good and I think I mentioned this isn't a band book but I recently read uh, Whistling Past the Graveyard which is like a new age version oh, that's of right. Scary Stories you did not agree with that highly recommend that one for for October it's it's so good it's just a bunch of short stories with very very creepy creepy stuff yeah. going on um, so what are you reading? so I am I'm gonna reread of Mice and Men just cause I read that like once a year sure. and it's a good time for it um, we already talked about that. We'll talk about it more later. Uh, I'm also reading Fun Home by Allison. Is it Bechtel? I think, I think so. Bechtel. I think it's Bechtel. So in addition to this being a musical that's coming to Cleveland, which is why I want to read it, because I will be going to see it, um, it's a very challenged book for Band Books Week. <clears throat> it talks a lot about Allison's life growing up with her family, um, and kind of coming out to her dad and it has a lot to do with like sexual orientation mm-hmm. and gender roles and emotional abuse and dysfunctional family. It's not the happiest story in the world, but right. it's and told it's incredibly well written and the um like I said, I'm gonna go see it. I'm one of those people when I see a Broadway play, I have some friends who don't wanna know anything about the story or the music. Right. I wanna know everything, I wanna be singing along I'm and I wanna know yeah. what's 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 coming. So I'm really interested in diving into Fun Home. Um and I also like to try and find books that are relatively recently challenged. I mean, that came out yeah. in 2006, so it was a decade ago. Yeah. Um, but I figure that way I've got Of Mice and Men, which is a classic that's been challenged, and then Fun Home, which is a little bit more recent. So that's true. I'm excited for both of those. Um, I'm also excited for everyone to hear, again, this the part that my takeaway that I wasn't expecting from this episode was just realizing how lucky I am that all of these impassioned 
librarians yeah. on our staff and knowing I, we have a really cool job and we do. <laughs> it's really cool to it's really fun and interesting to be reminded of what we do is an awesome thing providing content and privacy to people um you know on a day-to-day basis so hearing how impassioned our coworkers are about that is, is really refreshing and i think you just actually said something that made me think about this but this still happens. Books mm-hmm. are still challenged. Right. And I, I, I don't know if people who don't work in the library world know that. Yeah. That this this still happens mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Um, where books, you know, somebody wants a book taken out of the library because they don't want anybody to have access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really important that, you know, we talk about this and talk about why the books get challenged and, mm-hmm. and, and, have discussions about why it's important to read books about those topics. Yeah. And something else, again, Banned Books Week, we're very much, we wear our pride on our sleeves here at Overdrives. Like, I might read the physical copy or the digital copy of Fun Home, and I want people to see that I'm reading a book that they might not be comfortable with. Right. But other people might not be comfortable. So if you want to read a book that is a little bit, um, you know, taboo or you're maybe you're a little embarrassed of it. That's why ebooks are so great because of the privacy of no one needs to know what you're reading. Agreed. Um, same thing for like readers who might be, you know, a little bit younger and maybe they're not reading at the age level that people think they should be reading. Um, it's just great to have that privacy and, you know, it doesn't have to be younger readers, even yeah. if you're like in middle school or high school. One. Yeah. There is some article, I think it was on Bustle recently about a person who listens to children's audiobooks on their way home from school. Cause it's like, uh, relaxing for them and makes them feel better. Yeah. And there were some people who were trying to tell them that that's stupid because they're children's books. I may or may not have gotten real sassy on Twitter <laughs> as Overdrive being like, read what you want, no matter what it is. Be proud of what you're Agreed. Just, just be reading. Yeah, just be reading. Yeah. So, all right. Well, if people want to get a hold of us, they can email us at feedback at overdrive.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can leave us messages any of those places. You can leave us a message in iTunes. You can find all of our books on Pinterest as well. Um, as we mentioned last time, but if you just go into the information of this particular podcast in iTunes or anywhere, we have all the books that we, that we mentioned and links to all of the overdrive.com pages. Um, anything else people should know before we let them hear the rest of our friends? I feel like it would be fun if they email us their favorite band books. Absolutely. Yeah. I e- like getting those. Yeah. Email us at, at feedback at overdrive.com so Jill and I can know what band books you guys are reading. Yep. Um, all right. We will let you enjoy all of our coworkers. And then when you get done with this, go and download some banned books and fight for your right to (laughs) to read and all that good stuff. So, um, all right. Anything else? Nope. That's it. Okay. I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. First up, we have Sydney again. Hi. Hi. How are you, friends? Good. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Excellent. So what is your book choice for Banned Books Week? So, you know, I couldn't just go with one, so I'm going to go with three. But luckily, they're all part of the same trilogy. So I am picking the His Dark Materials trilogy by Philip Pullman, my favorite book series of all time. Yes, more than Harry Potter. Good. Yes, I just made your <laughs> I made your quota Thank for you. the podcast. Good job. No problem. First person off the bat. Good awesome. job. Awesome. Just thought we'd get that out of the way. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love them. I love them from the first moment I read them. Um, I think my favorite thing about them, 
Obviously, have you both read them? Do I need to do any explanation for the world out there? I'm sure you guys have read them. If not, then we just have. Run but our listeners, go. perhaps, okay. Have not. So this is a trilogy written by Philip Pullman. It's a British series. Just like Harry Potter, you have to get uh, the British version to get the real titles. Ooh, at least for the first one. So it's Northern Lights. If you're in the UK, I did not <gasps> know that. I have an exciting story to tell you about this. So it's Northern Lights. If you're in the UK, it's the Golden Compass, Compass. I think if you're in the States, and then it's um, The Subtle Knife and The Amber Spyglass. So it is sort of a coming-of-age story. It's uh, Each book is sort of separate, but also connected, which I know is kind of vague. Um, same protagonists, although sort of the main person switches between books, and then they kind of get combined in the third. Um, it is amazing. There's um, parallel universes. I love and, yeah, The Subtle oh, Knife. God. Yeah. There's so good. talking polar bears, there's adventure, there's gypsies, there's witches, there's the an animal manifestation of the human soul, and the last book will almost literally rip your heart out, stomp on it, and then set all the pieces yeah, on fire. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm pretty good. sure I'm pretty sure that the end uh, one of the end moments from that final book without spoiling it is where the meme not today Satan came from. I'm pretty sure that's where that came from because it's pure evil yeah. and sadness. Um, what I love about them is that they, they're they technically young adult books, but it's a way of talking to talking to kids like they're not kids, like talking mm-hmm. to kids like they're contemporaries, but still letting them be kids. So, you know, there's a lot to believe in. There's a lot of suspension of disbelief. There's It's a whole other world. But it also doesn't explain everything for them. It's kind of like, hey, you've got to figure this world out on your own. You have to figure out, you know, how you're going to get out of this situation. And it's dark. Yeah. A lot of really bad stuff happens and a lot of stuff where you're turning the pages going, okay, when are they going to turn this around? And, oh, they really don't. Um, So it's amazing, but it got real banned. Real banned. (laughs) (laughs) It got so banned. It got super banned. No, but that's something, and I apologize for listeners, this is one of my soapboxes I'll probably stand on a lot. (laughs) I hate when people want to prevent children from reading books because they want to treat them like with kid gloves for lack of better terms kids are not fragile they're not gonna break they can take tough situations and tough stories usually sometimes better than adults can sure um so when you get a book like this these three books which are not like you said they're not light-hearted there's Mm -hmm. a lot to them there's a lot to unpack I always get really frustrated when an adult says, oh, a child can't handle that um, type of a situation. So, Well, and the protagonists are handling tough situations. So if the kid's going to see anything in these characters, they're going to see in these, you know, two strong... Uh, first first book, female protagonist, mm-hmm. awesome, uses bad language, is kind of a terrible child, but incredibly smart and resourceful. And, I mean, you watch her grow up through these three books and you see her come of age, you see her come to terms with death and morality and sexuality and, you know, the awakening of who she is and sort of the settling of her soul, which is pretty heady stuff. But, I mean, if you've got a a kid who's reading this for the first time and they see something in that where it's like, I can be that strong or I can be that brave or it's okay to screw up, I mean, that's an important thing. And to have that taken away is bad news. I screw up, like, every single day, you right? guys. I screw up so much. I'm screwing up right now. I'm, right? I, I can't even tell you. I've screwed up myself into a wonderful <laughs> job that I love. So, you know. High five through the glass. That's right. There it is. That's the way to do it. 
right. All right. Well, thank you, You're Cindy. very welcome. I do have to ask you guys a question before you go, of course, because I'm not the interviewer, but if you had to have an animal manifestation of the human soul, what would your animal be? Wow. That's, what's your, what's, that's what's your demon? Question. Who's your demon? It's my demon. Yeah. Oh, man. I know. It's tough. Like mine personally? Yeah. Oh, it would be a wolf. Okay. Good. Oh, that's nice. really good. That's really good. Um, I love otters. Yes, I could totally see that. But, and actually, ironically, I was listening to a podcast today where someone was talking about playing with otters. I swear to God, this actually happened, literally in a podcast a today. And the guy said, he's like, they look adorable, but in those eyes, they are demons. Mm-hmm. So I guess, ah, I guess that connection. was very convenient that I heard that earlier cool. today, because I'll let that, I'll let that be my answer. That's awesome. They're adorable. I like it. Mm-hmm. What was, wasn't somebody's Patronus? I think it's Hermione's. Yeah, it's, Hermione's. it's Hermione's Patronus. Also actually. resourceful and smart and go. good uh, and social. So mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like that fits you. I would agree. Wow, I didn't know this was going to turn into like giving Love me. Love fest. Did you know that I needed? Did you guys know that I needed positive reinforcement today? Thank no, you. But I'm glad to be here for it. Well, I'm excited and I uh, hope you guys have a lot of good discussions today. I think we will. Thank, Thank you. you. No problem. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Adam. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Uh, would you mind reminding our listeners what it is you do here at Overdrive and then maybe one or two of the episodes you've been on in the past? Sure. Um, here at Overdrive, I'm a member of the collection development team and I'm an analyst as well as one of the staff librarians. And I was on the sci-fi and fantasy episode a few months ago and a nonfiction episode where I talked a lot about true crime. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I sure did. That's okay, though. We like true crime. <laughs> so what are you reading for banned books? I am reading The Satanic Verses by Salman Rushdie. I like it. And for people who might not be familiar, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Oh, sure. It's a book. It came out in the late 80s and caused a Big circus. Gee, I, <laughs> yes, wonder, I wonder why. <laughs> to say the least. Um, I read it when I was in college, so some time ago, and I've been meaning to reread it, kind of given some recent events in world history, go or in world events, current events yeah. going on now. And it's, first of all, I thought the book was beautifully written, the magical realism aspects to it, and I loved all the dream sequences. But, you know, given that... Rushdie received death threats, and some people related to the book were actually murdered uh-huh. as a result of the book. I'm very much a staunch defender of freedom of speech and allowing authors as much creative freedom as they need. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I think that this book is this book is vitally important, and I recommend that everyone check it out. Yep. We uh, could not agree more. Yeah, for sure. sure. I feel like this entire podcast is just going to be all of us furiously agreeing with each other about the importance of, of free speech. And, I would mm-hmm. agree with that as yeah. well. Awesome. That sounds good. Anything else you want to share about the book or Banned Books Week or just any thoughts in general? You put me on the spot. I, I know. I, I do that all the time to Jill, too. She gives me this look. And she's like, what are you doing? Um, no, I just hope that everyone checks out the list that we provide on overdrive.com to see what we have and some other staff recommendations. There's a lot of really great stuff there, and I hope everyone enjoys what they read. Next up, we have Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jill. Welcome back. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, we are talking Banned Books Week, and what book will you be reading for Banned Books Week? 
I'm going to reread Burying My Heart at Wounded Knee by Dee Brown. Okay. Um, and I'm old enough to remember when it came out first in 1970. Dee Brown actually was a librarian in the, at the University of Illinois and then also for the Department of Agriculture. And he was not a Native American himself, but he was very interested in the West, and he wrote several books about the West, one of which was Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. And uh, it's basically a history of Native Americans in the late 19th century and how they were treated. And um, believe it or not, it was banned in several schools, and the reason given was that it might be biased, and as if as if looking at two sides of a story is a bad thing. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, also, one principal was quoted as saying, "Well, it might be controversial. So if it might be controversial, why not ban it?" Oh, <laughs> that is it's so like the upsetting. Worst logic ever. I hate that so much. Yeah, <sighs> and so. Um, the thing I've noticed over my long career in libraries about banned books is that there are always surprises on the list where you think, who would ever ban that? Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the takeaway that I um, get from that is that we should just not ban books because getting several sides of a story is really good. And I used to talk to um, patrons of libraries who would want me to ban a book. And I would say, well, but you wouldn't believe some of the books that other people want to ban. And then I would start naming some, mm-hmm. and she'd say, well, who'd want to ban that? And so what people don't realize is that a lot of people have prejudices and um, likes and dislikes, and libraries pride themselves on presenting both sides of issues and just letting readers decide for themselves what it is they'd like to take away from those. And that's something, in my mind, it's one thing to pick one side of a debate, regardless of what the debate is, and be maybe somewhat close-minded to the other side. It's another step of prejudice entirely to just say, I'm so against an idea that I don't even want other people to read it. I've never understood. Like, if if you see a book out there that is doesn't interest you, don't read it. Mm-hmm. Just like like you said, libraries libraries are a place where you're supposed to be able to go and find information. And if it's not information you're interested in, that's okay. But I just anyone who feels they have the right to say no one should read that book has always just both infuriated me and blew my mind. I don't understand that. I, I don't know. It's it's pretty widespread, though, and it's not new mm-hmm. at all. Um, I don't know if I can... <laughs> I don't know if I should say this, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. I remember um, a long time ago in a, in a public library, there was a woman who felt, felt really, really strongly about politics, and mm-hmm. she was very right-wing and didn't like any liberal authors. Mm -hmm. And so she kept insisting that we should take the liberal side of arguments off the shelves, and we refused. And so her reaction was to check them out and keep renewing them over and over. So they were never on the shelf. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she was diligent, I guess, to yeah, give her that. That's true. Yeah, I mean, oh she kept goodness. renewing them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Um, that's horrible. But to me, debating the issues is much better than that. Yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> I agree. All Anything right. else you'd like to share? I feel like I could listen to you talk about. I, I agree. Uh, we should have like a about... whole episode that's like just Cindy. I know yeah, where well, neither of us talk. Just listen. You to know, something. when you work long enough, <laughs> you know everybody, and you have a million stories. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, thank right. you very much, Cindy. Thank you, guys. And next up, we have Andrea. Andrea, welcome back. Thanks. See how excited that was. <laughs> So you are one of our three-headed SAS monster. Yes. And today we're talking about banned books. So how about you share with our listeners what you'll be reading for Banned Books Week? Sure. I will be reading Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. It was published in September of 1937. Okay. And it had a lot of controversy because the main character, Janie is an African-American mm-hmm. and being the 30s and taking place in the, I think the late 20s in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, just that alone, people were like, no, evil, bad. Yeah. Um, but it's actually really, really good. It actually went out of print for like 30 years because really? it was so controversial. Oh, wow. It didn't come back until like the late 1970s when colleges were getting more into like black studies. Mm-hmm. So have you read this before? Yes. All right, so would you mind telling us a little bit about it without, of course, you know, giving away an ending or anything? And then everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. Um, so Janie is, starts, it's actually told in flashback. Mm-hmm. She's telling her life story on her porch. She's about 40, starts off when she's 16, and her grandmother, Nanny, catches her kissing a boy. And Nanny decides, well, that's... That's not going to happen. And marries her off to a very older rich man. Mm -hmm. Or not a rich man, an older farmer who just basically wants a wife and a farm hand. And then she tells the rest of her story about how she she found herself in love and just moved through her life doing things her way. Which, given the fact that she was a woman, Mm -hmm. African-American in the South in the late 1920s, was very daring and bold of her and she's probably one of my favorite literary characters that sounds good is the author african-american i'm not I'm, i wasn't familiar with the book before you I believe so yes yeah i think she is, is she yeah okay i actually taught it to a group of high school junior honor english class mm-hmm. and they loved it they loved it yeah did they have any thought did you share with them the fact that it was a banned book mm-hmm. did they have any thoughts on that they understood, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. They're like, we can see why, but being in the time that we are now, they're like, it doesn't okay. make sense. Yeah. So, so do you know, and I'm, I apologize, I know this is kind of on the fly, but do you know if people today still challenge this book, or is it... I don't know if they challenge it. I hope it, not. But I know, like, even time has put it on, like, one of their, like, 100 best books ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's really, it went from, like, you know being not published for 30 years to being on one of, you know, yeah. a great American novel. Good. That makes me happy. Does, do yeah. you have any thoughts on kind of the importance of reading banned books or challenged books, anything along those lines? I think those books should be read more. And why is that? Because I agree with I'm you. I'm like, mic drop. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, that's it. I'm just going to leave it. Just leave it at that. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Um, no, I just, because I think the reason that they're always challenged is because they get people thinking. And people to 
challenge, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. the way the world is now. That's a really good sentiment. Agreed. Fantastic. Well done. Thanks, Andrea. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Next up, we have Jim. Hi, Jim. Hi, Jill. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So, we're talking band books. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> I just feel like Good transition. Shut up. So, <laughs> tell us. So, tell us about the book you have chosen for Band Books Week. Yeah, so the book that I've chosen is Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. Mm-hmm. Um, Kurt Vonnegut is probably my favorite author of all time, and Slaughterhouse-Five, of course, is probably his most famous work. Right. Uh, it's actually not my f- most favorite Vonnegut title. That's Breakfast of Champions. <gasps> Me too. Really? High five. Nice. <laughs> I'm in another um, room, but I would if I fived. Right, was, exactly. It's okay. Yeah, okay. Air high five. But I still love it, and I read it first in high school, I think, when I was a junior, I want to say, as like required summer reading title, and back then I wasn't really high on reading summer reading titles. I thought right. it was kind of a stupid thing to do, but it really grabbed me, and I just couldn't put it down, and I think I read it in a couple of days, and okay. I was fully enraptured in everything Vonnegut from that point forward. So, and he really inspired a lot of my writing like in college and things like that. So do you know why it's been banned or challenged in the past? Well, there's a lot of stuff that happens in it. Uh, <laughs> That's one way of putting it. A lot of swearing, a lot of war, mm-hmm. um, a lot of sex, yeah. things like that in it. So, you know, um, it's got its things that I can understand why it would be banned, but it's a terrific book. You know, it's a classic, so everyone should read it. I completely agree. Do you have any thoughts on Banned Books Week or the importance of reading banned books? Just open, open platform I mean, I really here. think, you know, everyone should just read kind of... I mean, a lot of the banned books are just... They're classics. They're things that, you know, they're trying to teach us something and they're trying to show about a different lifetime or they're trying to, you know, make you understand what it was like growing up in a certain way. And so I don't think... I don't think any kind of censorship is right at all in anything, and especially not in literature, because it's someone expressing how they feel about something. So That sounds good. I completely agree, as we will be doing throughout the entire podcast. It would just be <laughs> I know. three people in a room at a time, furiously nodding their head to each other, like right. totally yes. on the same page. Yeah, pretty Absolutely. much. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you, Jim. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And next up, we have Kristen. Hello, Kristen. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? I'm great. Fantastic. Yes. So we're talking about banned books, mm-hmm. and you have a few that you are going to be reading slash rereading for Banned Book Suite, correct? Yeah. I uh, I actually just today finished listening to Fahrenheit 451. Mm-hmm. It was never required of me to read when I was in school, and I started, I've been feeling really guilty about that for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I was I like, it. you know what? I have a long drive in front of me. I'm just going to listen to this. And I'm happy that it was short. Let's just put it that way. Before we dive into the, the book that you're going to be reading for Ben Books Week, mm-hmm. just because do you have other books that are way, that are like weighing on you that you never had to read that you feel like you should? Yeah, 1984 is on there. Okay. That's so good, too. Also a banned books, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. And yeah. Handmaid's Tale. Wait. You just upset Jill on a I cellular know. level. I'm going to look away from her right now. That's like her Can't favorite. Remember. 
talk I, to you right now. We like sit next to each other. I'm gonna be like, <laughs> wow, it is so embarrassing to sit by you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, I just like made a gesture that like, nobody can see. I do that all the time. It's really great for an audio medium to have visual, uh, visual fun things. We're gonna have to correct that one. I'm, uh, I'm working on it okay. slowly but right. surely. Okay, so tell us about Fahrenheit 451. Um, so it was not my favorite. I'll say that right now. I'm okay. not a fan of Bradbury's writing style. Mm-hmm. I was reading it, and all I could think was, this feels like someone should be reading this dialogue on stage while they're wearing um, a beret and people are snapping. <laughs> and a smoke. It felt very, like, beat poetry to me, and I just hated it. Um, and then on top of that, I just thought that the character served no purpose other than to move forward these ideas. Right. Um, and they're really, the whole plot is so interesting and very frightening. And especially given our current climate, I just really felt like it kind of hit home in that way. But I just couldn't get past the writing. Sorry, it's okay. Sorry, he everyone. I'm sure of it. I know, I know. I'm sorry if you're all going to write to me now and say how much you hate my opinion. No, they'll, they'll write to Jill and I. You're okay, good. Well, then tell them how much you hate my opinion. <laughs> so what book are you reading that you will enjoy? Oh, I will reread The Awakening by Kate Chopin. That is one of my favorite books. I read that one when I was in high school, and it just really struck home. I remember... My English classroom, people were all like, we hate this woman. She's the worst. And I was like, no, I totally get her. She's just great. And I love her. And I get why she did what she did. And I'm not going to say what she happened because... Spoilers. Spoilers. That'd be rude. But uh, yeah, I think that one probably became a banned book because there are some sexual things that happen. Isn't that special? Isn't that special? (laughs) Uh, Extramarital affairs and the like. Um, Not just marital affairs. Extra. 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 Yeah. Extra. Extra. Everyone's a bit too excited about these new microphones we got here. I think they are. Like, yeah. It's the whole setup, like the microphones and the headphones, mm-hmm. and you just feel very fancy. Yeah. So as a librarian, mm-hmm. do you have thoughts on, and books week in general, on the importance of reading them, etc., etc., etc.? Yeah, I think Banned Books Week is incredibly important. I think it's important to shed light on the fact that there still is censorship in our society and that within our reading community, we need to watch ourselves on that, that there are really great ideas out there. And the idea of taking a book away from a student, from a child, from a teen or an adult um, is ridiculous, in my opinion. People should be free to read as they want, and I think a book is the best way for a child to explore difficult situations, especially if if you're a parent or you you have a child in your life. It's an easy way to explore very difficult issues. You can close a book, you can set it aside, and then you can also talk to the child about what they read. So for me, Banned Books Week is, is so important. Sounds good. Preach. I'm raising my hand right now. We all are. That was fantastic. (laughs) Agreed. Thank you, Kristen. (laughs) Thanks.
Next up, we have Melissa. Hello. Hi. So for our listeners, go ahead and remind us what you do here at Overdrive and what episodes you've been on. Sure. So my name is Melissa Marin. I'm a marketing specialist on our partner services team. And I've only been on one episode so far. I was on the funny audiobooks episode with Adam, which was really good time. So much fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to doing more episodes in the future. I actually got a lot of people sending me, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I should tell you this not on the podcast as instead of Bill. <laughs> but I've got a lot of people tweeting me like, I wish this audiobook existed. So I think we're starting a movement here. Yeah. Yes. Good stuff. Anywho. <laughs> so tell us, what book will you be reading for Band Books Week? I'm going to reread Forever by Judy Bloom. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, Judy yeah. Bloom. That was one I read when I was younger and I haven't read in a long time. Um, but I am excited to dive back into it and as an adult and kind of look at it in that perspective because it's teenage point of view and perspective about an early relationship and kind of getting into um, what that means and now that I'm married and I have a kid and like I'm coming from a very different perspective so I'm looking forward to it. Right. So do you know why it's been banned or challenged? Oh yeah. Most of Judy Bloom books have been banned because of the sexy time content um, or just kind of, I guess, adult themes when you're talking about teens and she wrote about realistic relationship portrayals, which I think some people get freaked out about, but yeah, she's had a long history of this happening. Yeah, she has. It's funny. I I think when people say Judy Bloom, sometimes they think about the kids like freckle juice version of Judy Mm -hmm. Bloom, but Forever, Deanie, um, I think even Blubber, which is more of a kid's book, has also been banned at some point. Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. She's had a lot of them, and she's even spoken at some Band Books events. I went to one a couple of years ago with her, and she's really sweet and very passionate about this topic, so I'm excited to read Forever again. By the way, we should clarify the way you said that. You didn't actually go to the event with her. If you knew Judy Bloom, oh, that would be so um, cool. yeah, no, we're best friends. Yeah, like we carpooled together. We totally carpooled. No, she spoke at an event. Had a chance to meet her there. Different things, but mm-hmm. still, yes, good. So, do you have any thoughts on the importance of reading banned books? Um, I think that it's important for everyone, but especially. I think some younger readers to be introduced to a wide variety of content. I'm not a fan of censoring things because people can't handle it. I, I feel like I, when I was younger, I read such a large like span of books and my parents were not trying to keep me from reading things and it really helped widen my worldview. And I think that that's really important. And a lot of these books get banned because they're worried about what kids are getting exposed to and I think you need to give kids more credit. You know, I think people in general, um, reading about a variety of issues is going to help you be a better person, more diverse, and think in different ways, maybe challenge you that um, you wouldn't normally. So, very important. I agree with that. Completely agree. Thank you. You're welcome. And next up, we have Liz. Liz, how are you doing today? I'm quite well. How are you? We are fantastic. I know that you were on last week during our reading ebook day episode, but for people who may not remember, what episodes can they hear you from previously? So I was previously on the Shakespeare episode. 
because um, he's my guy. Mm-hmm. He is your guy. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. And um, the romance novel episode. And one of the early episodes. You were one of the earlier ones, yeah. That didn't have much of a theme. Correct. <laughs> we didn't really know what we were just, doing. It was books. Yeah. It was our theme. We were making it up on the fly in those early days. Yeah, we don't do that at all now. Yeah, no, we're totally not. Yeah. We're totally planning all things out. professional here mm-hmm. from, right. yeah. from now on. So what will you be reading for Banned Books Week? Uh, I think I'm going to read Two Boys Kissing by David Levithan. I uh, I read Will Grayson, Will Grayson, and um, that other one that he co-wrote with Rachel Cohen. Uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, mm-hmm. and they were both really great, and so I'm excited to read another one of his books. It's been a while. So, dumb question, but uh, yeah, do you know why this book was challenged or banned? I believe uh, it's, you know, obviously male-male romance, right. and God the title forbid. is Two Boys Kissing, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's why it's been challenged, but... And before we started recording, you had some really great thoughts in general on the idea of Banned Books Week and Challenge Books. So as a librarian and someone who works with schools, just maybe share some of your thoughts on that whole idea. Well, one of the things I was talking about, how how we're very lucky in America that there are no books that are truly banned. Like, there aren't any books that cannot be legally published in America. But um, working with schools, like, I, you know, um, I sometimes... Feel like I participate in some of that challenged um, uh, work just because we have so many, you know, like because I work with collection development. There's a lot of like booking, book reviewing, and making sure that content is appropriate for schools. And you know, I find myself saying things like, "Oh, I love that book, and I want every young woman in the world to read it, but I would never recommend it to a school." Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But even that, that's not banning or challenging a book that's you as a collection development specialist saying this is a great book maybe not for your third or fourth graders <laughs> maybe for your ninth graders yeah, that kind of right. thing or maybe you know just being like hey kid you can check that out at the public library right <laughs> yes it's true too yeah. that's fantastic <laughs> Uh, uh, Any other thoughts you have before I let you go, Liz? Uh, Nothing nothing in particular. Um, Sounds good. Well, thank you, Liz. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Next up, we have Quentin. Hi, Quentin. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. So, um, what book will you be reading for Band Book Week? Band Books Week. I can't talk. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be reading one of my all-time favorites, which is The Hobbit. All right, The Hobbit. Which is by J.R.R. Tolkien, for those that might not know. Thank you. I'm just saying. Thank you. (laughs) Just in case. Thanks for cluing everyone in. Just in case. Do you know why it's been banned or challenged in the past? Yeah, it's the typical themes of witchcraft and evil sorcery and and demonic things and nonsense like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing you probably have some thoughts on the importance of reading banned books. <laughs> uh, just a few, just a few. Um, the Hobbit, in particular, is one of my favorite examples because it's the book that got me into my love of reading and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I have. You guys know. I mean, I, I paid a whole lot of money to get an extra degree in writing, and um, it's a big passion of mine. And, and The Hobbit started that all off. It was the first like real novel length book I ever read. And uh, any book that can inspire someone like that 
has ideals of friendship and, and love and peace and, and, and uh, the importance of, of those bonds it can't be bad I mean it's I did, it didn't scar me indelibly I've never tried to kill you guys with witchcraft that's true you know? <laughs> that's I true. can confirm that, that is true. Uh, so I mean there's a there's always danger in censorship. Uh, my favorite example is, which I don't know if is wholly appropriate, but my favorite example is in medieval England, the church declared that um, sex was a sin, period. You can talk about it. You can do it. It was. You can even talk about it. I mean, it was mm-hmm. crazy, which started one of the first sexual revolutions and the spread of STDs and all sorts of other bad things. And censorship really had the opposite effect. So I think... It's dangerous to limit what we can and cannot talk about and what we can and cannot consume as people. There are, sure, there are toxic things out there, but we should be able to explore those and discuss those, especially as adults, mm-hmm. um, and have intelligent, rational conversation. It takes a lot of the scary away from the unknown and helps us be more intelligent as a species. That's I've gotten very high in my air, sorry. No, that was perfect. No, I, trust me. I've been on my soapbox all day. You're fine. That was, per- that was perfect. Thank you so much, Thank Glenn. you. Sure, happy to be here. Next up, we have Sarah. Sarah, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. And for people who might not be aware, what do you do here at Overdrive, and what episode were you on? I participated in the... Dystopian podcast, mm-hmm. maybe like a month ago. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a front end web designer on the marketing team. Mm-hmm. Creative, the creative side yeah, of the you marketing are. team. <laughs> and what will you be reading for Band Books Week? I I have a dilemma between two of my favorites, um, of Mice and Men, Miss mm-hmm. Steinbeck, yes, and Lord of the Rings, which mm-hmm. is always my favorite. Yeah. Um, so I haven't really decided, or maybe I'll try to. Maybe I'll try to do both, but that's yeah. probably not going to happen. Well, the Mice and Men is short. It's a novella, it is. so you can maybe get that in. But Lord of the Rings is rather long. I was going to say, <laughs> you picked a novella and a trilogy. Yeah. They might balance each other out. Yeah. They might, yeah. Or maybe I'll just read the first installment. Yeah, that's there true. you go. There you go. Do you know why either of them have been banned or challenged in the past? Um, Mice and Men was actually, in my high school, it was banned. Oh, really? Yeah. Seriously? Yes, for, for a little while, and I couple years before I had the teacher, but a teacher was hired there that she felt very strongly that it should be included in the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So she got permission to re-implement it, and they, they wow. said, okay. So um, so I did get to read it in that class, and yeah. it was basically just because of the violence and the racism and the you know foul language. And I have very like strong feelings on Of Mice and Men. That's one of my favorite stories ever, yeah. so I... People can't see me furiously nodding in agreement, but I am because I am on the same page with you. I really love it. My husband gets really irritated when I quote it because he yeah. hasn't read it. <laughs> oh, he should read it. It'll take him like a day. It's so yeah. short. Yeah, that's a short one. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts in general on reading banned books and the importance of it? I think books should never be banned for any reason. Yeah. <laughs> Ever. So when they are banned, I guess uh, the idea is that you should read them anyway. Obviously. I agree. Obviously. Obviously. I'm a little bit of a rebel. Uh-huh. So anything that's banned or forbidden is immediately more desirable. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Agree. Yeah. Works well. Sounds good. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you
Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.